What's happening and welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Crossroads Connect podcast. My name is Pastor Jared Haley. I'm sitting here with Pastor Matt Manning, Crossroads Church. And man, we are just uh, excited to continue to get to uh, have some conversation about some fun topics. This, uh, how come, why is it in my language that I always want to say this morning? I've I don't know. I guess it's because you're a pastor. Sunday and morning everything church. We, we only work on Sunday That's mornings. That's right, Sunday morning. So. And it's Monday, or it's not even Monday, it's Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon. So I'll just say, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. I hope you're wa- listening to this. See, I even said watching. So funny. All right. Anyway, lots of good stuff today uh, that we're going to be chatting about. And uh, the first thing is, last week was the NFL draft. Woo! Woohoo! NFL draft. First impressions of the Broncos, since we are from Colorado and we, we like the Broncos. Uh, did you like the draft? Did you not like the draft? Well, I love that the, there was a draft because I love sports. Yeah. And this whole like season of no sports is just terrible. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, spending time watching the draft. I actually watched the first and second round, which probably was a total waste of time, particularly after I preached a sermon on not how to redeem. Not a waste of time. Let me just correct you right there. <laughs> how to redeem the time uh-huh. that I spent. But it was it was a good time. And we had a little draft party on the first night. And so my brother and my dad, a couple of friends joined together on Zoom and we watched the draft together. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, my first impressions about the Broncos draft is uh, I was I was kind of upset that we went two wide receivers because man we need an offensive line like uh-huh. nobody's business. But once we got the center, I was I, I settled down and I was Somewhat I was okay. I was okay. Yeah. yeah. So I really like uh, Jerry Judy. I'm yes. I'm pumped for him. Uh, the kid from Missouri. I don't know anything about. Yeah. I just hope he makes the team. KJ Hamill. Yes. Is that right? And then I just I, I just thank God that we're not the Raiders who just keep drafting wide receivers. <laughs> that's fair. I, there's lots of reasons I'm glad that we're not the Raiders, but uh, that that's a whole other day, I guess. <laughs> right. right. Um, I thought it was fun seeing the camera of John Elway in his room. I mean, because normally you see all these guys in the war room, right? And so here he is, just kind of hanging out by himself. I think I don't. It might have been when he was calling. Uh, I always want to call him Judge Judy, which I'm not the first person to say that, but that was the first thing I thought of when I heard of Jerry Judy. I'm like, oh, he's going to be nicknamed Jerry or Judge Judy. There you go. Um, and it was just fun to kind of see him with his TVs all set up and he's making his phone calls. And I just wonder what kind of a weird ex- experience that must have been, even in making decisions, right? I mean, when you're in a war room, you're having everybody talking to you. And now it's got to be like, you can just reach over and hit the mute button and just take a moment to pause and think yourself and then make the decision you want, unmute, come back and be like, okay, guys, <laughs> right. this is what we're going to do. Right, right. No, all of that was really kind of interesting. Like, I know it's gone all the way around Twitter, but Bill Belichick, you know, on the first night, they went, they flashed a picture to his house and mm-hmm. it was just his dog sitting in his in his chair where he should have been. That That's was pretty funny. cool. And then... Was that intentional? Uh, I'm sure it was with Bill, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not showing up to do this stuff for the uh-huh. NFL. And then he had like Jerry Jones on his yacht, mm-hmm. you know, and every time the... Uh, he needed to talk on the phone. He had uh, a lady come over and dial up the number and hold his cell phone, you know, four so inches from his yeah, mouth so funny. that he could talk into it. So <laughs> yeah, maybe he didn't know how to use his cell phone. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. but all of that kind of seeing the inside of people's lives mm-hmm. uh, was a little, was cool. It was fun. Absolutely. 
So the thing I'm really excited about is that uh, I think it was on 104.3 The Fan that they were talking about the Broncos offense for the last three years has been about as fun to watch them as it is to watch paint dry. And uh, that's an accurate statement. I mean, other than when Drew Locke came in, I mean, when Drew came in, uh, the last five games were exciting because we all wanted to see what he could do um, and, and things. But I I'm excited to watch games that we actually have some offense. And uh, again, no excuses now, right? Like you have lots of weapons. We have we picked up Gordon. Um, so I mean, there's there's lots of opportunity for for us to have an offense that is worth watching. And man, I remember when the whole talk about picking up Joe Flacco was coming. And uh, nothing against Joe Flacco, but I'm like, we do not want that guy. Like, please no. And then it happened, and I'm like, ah, another season gone. You know. Um, but here we are, and uh, I'm excited about the season. I don't know what our defense is going to look like. I don't know what our offensive line is going to look like. But at least I feel like we have some so something to look forward to and to hope and to have, hey, we get to see these guys develop a little bit this year. And uh, if, you, if we think long term a little bit as well, like we have this offense now that is fun to watch. And, you know, if Bowles um, falls apart, you know, then we have next year um, to continue to build it, right? But um, they were talking this morning how uh, all of these players were different um, after Locke came in. And so now we have a whole season to see, hey, can they rally around this guy? I mean, I, if, you, if you're on a team that sucks, let's be honest, it really kills your drive. And I can imagine being frustrated playing for a team that isn't going anywhere. And, and you don't, you just stop trying as hard. And so hopefully these guys will have a little bit more jump in their step. Yeah, for the first time in a long time, Bronco County has hope, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the reality. And yeah, Drew Locke has an abundance of confidence that seems to yeah. rub off on his teammates. Yeah. Now, whether that equals awesome football and a great offense, yeah. we'll, we'll see. At least it's uh, fun. I like watching him well, dance we, on the sideline and do too. his thing. Yeah, I love the little Buzz Lightyear thing that that's he does. Right, yeah, so yeah. Pew, pew. That's, my, <laughs> that's my highlight. Yeah, so absolutely. actually last year I, I boycotted the Broncos until they started Drew Locke. Yeah. So I got so frustrated after the second game mm -hmm. that I just refused yeah. to turn it back on. And so uh, once Drew Locke came in, then mm -hmm. I felt like maybe there was some direction yeah. and yeah. hope. Yeah. going into the future, whether he was going to be any good or not. At least it was worth watching. Yeah. A buddy of mine in, in Iowa, it's really funny how many Broncos fans there are in Iowa. Um, but after Peyton Manning retired, he was like, okay, I'm going to stop watching the Broncos now because I want to end on a good note. But um, I think that he's he's still watching and paying attention <laughs> a little bit. So um, it's hard to stay away. Yeah. Um, something else that I think is really interesting when it comes to drafting is – uh, all these teams are looking at, at their needs, right? They're looking at what are the holes on our team? Where are we weakest? And, and how can we find guys to fill those holes? And, and how they go through that whole scouting process to say, not only is this a good player, but is this a player that's going to match the culture of the team? Is this a player that's going to uh, match the scheme of this team? Uh, do they bring other characteristic qualities that are going to be good for the locker room? And, and all the these tangibles uh, that go into who they draft. And that really made me think a lot about uh, just the church. And, and we're, we're in this uh, strategy process and, and vision process as a church as we're moving forward and thinking through uh, 
who are our staff people who who not even just staff but even who makes up us as a body uh, of people of uh, of crossroads and and how do we fit and what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses and we're kind of going through that process as 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 a leadership core staff and so wondering if if you have any thoughts on, on that kind of compare and contrast yeah no that's that is a really good comparison because that's where we've been living the last uh two months well really last six months but specifically the last two months of really looking at our strategy and our vision and going what does what does the future look like uh, and asking those questions right now in, in the season that we're in and uh one of those things that we have started to identify just like you said is is what are some of the cultures of the staff what are the cultures of the church what are those things that that we want to carry and be a makeup just like you said, like with the football team. And there are a lot of good people out there who could uh, be a part of our staff. Um, but if they don't fit the culture, man, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's rough. And, yeah. and we've, we've figured that out and found that out. And then when you have a vision and a plan, uh, you know, the, going back to the Broncos, that seems like one of the things that they've lacked since the Super Bowl is really a plan of moving forward and uh, in that. And probably in some ways that's not too dissimilar from the way that we've done church for a little bit is going, okay, so what's the plan? What does, what does it look like? What do we want to be in five years? Mm-hmm. And so doing a lot of work in terms of that vision and then all of that really culminating last week when you and I were uh, in a two-day retreat of going through and going, okay, who are the, who are the players on the staff? Only, I was only on one day. That's right. And you were like I a half got, day. I got kicked out. And then you got, that's right. That's right. Caused too much of a nuisance. <laughs> um, and so, but going through that and really going down that road of going, okay, who who are the people on the staff? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Mm-hmm. We even did a assessment called Leading from Your Strengths by a guy named Rodney Cox. Um, if you're listening, uh, if whoever's listening out there, it is worth your time to read that book and to take the, that assessment. It mm-hmm. was eye-opening yeah. uh, for a lot of our staff and and really fun in that. And, and some of the takeaways from that of being able to see uh, naturally who we are and then as we kind of work in the church and in the environments that we have, of how we're adapting to those spaces. Mm-hmm. And probably what was most surprising to me is is how much some of our staff is adapting to fill the roles that we've put mm-hmm. them in. And so they're not actually operating in their strengths. In some ways, we have like a wide receiver playing tight end and then asking that tight end, that wide receiver to block as a tight end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, of course they're going to struggle in that. Like mm-hmm. maybe they can do that for a season, but week after week that takes a toll. Yeah. And, and the um, stress that that adds to, to mm-hmm. you as 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 you're trying to serve the church and you're trying to do the best that you can and you just feel like you keep falling short where you're you're operating almost, you're not almost operating, you are operating in a weakness, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the difference between, I think we think of our weaknesses as our failures and really it's not a failure, it's that we've been designed differently. Like Matt has been designed differently for Jared than Jared and God did that on purpose that we're not designed to do it all, um, but we're designed to see what what drives me? What gives me energy? What are the things that I love to do that uh, I get excited to do that when I get up in the morning? And then what are those things that, that suck the life out of you, right? And, and with any job, whether that's in the church or anywhere else, there's always going to be a bit of the stuff that you don't like to do that it's the job, and so you have to do it. But how can we help? I think the whole point of this process is how can we align people to be operating in in their giftedness and the things that is going to give them joy and give them life. And actually, ultimately, when we work together cohesively, it actually makes us move forward as a church in a really healthy way that gets us going where we want to go. Yeah, no, that was really good. Actually, talk a little bit about 
some of you, I mean, just in terms of comparison between you and I, and even mm-hmm. the differences, we're both pastors. Mm-hmm. We both serve um, on the staff at Crossroads Church. We both have uh, significant roles within the church, and yet God has created us uniquely different. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think one of the differences for you and I was the way that we handle challenges, right? Mm-hmm. How, did, how Do you remember how you handled challenges? You tell me how you handle a challenge, and then I'll tell you how I handle a challenge. Yeah, so when it comes, when challenges come my way, like I handle them super aggressively. Mm-hmm. Like only Pastor James was higher than I on the staff in terms of the aggressiveness yeah. in which I face a challenge, which yeah. just means that um, I make quick decisions um, in that. I'm very decisive in that. I'm bold. I'm just ready to move forward. If that's a wall in front of me, we'll just run through that wall. Mm-hmm. Like there's just that kind of aggressiveness mm-hmm. to me, which is a little bit different than the way that you handle yeah, it. Yeah. So I process a little bit more. So, um, you know, I, as a problem comes, I like to think through it a little bit and say, hey, what, what is the best way forward? What's the cost uh, of doing it one way or the other? And, and I'm people oriented. So uh, I think through how it's going to affect the people uh, around that decision and very conscious. And, and, and then I'm thinking through how can we do this in a way that's going to help bring the people along. Um, and I think that not that you're not people oriented, but a lot of it you're just thinking, what's going to be the best outcome and how can we get there as fast as we can. Yeah, totally. Um, and so uh, just to clarify the, the two metrics that there are, there's the natural metric and then the adaptive metric. And so the natural is, is where you live normally and then your adaptive is how you're de- adapting to your environment. And so I was close in my two, mm-hmm. um, but uh, my adaptive I think is pushing me to move a little bit faster than I would typically move in a natural state. Um, and ironically, you landed almost exactly the same on both. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I, I, my joke is, is that actually maybe like I'm the perfect person for this season that we're in, or I'm just a narcissist. Right. Yeah. I, I, You're I either arrogant which... or very self-aware or uh, yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's but, one side or the other, yeah. but yeah, I, I barely moved on yeah. from my natural traits to my adaptive traits yeah. that, uh, as, as our uh, consultant Lance put, you are very well aware of who you are that's and right. who you're not. That's right. And, but I think that's a good thing, right? And, and I actually took this test almost 10 years ago when I was in my master's program and to see where I was then compared to where I am now and how much more aware of of who I am, um, and, and nothing on the test that I took surprised me this time. Uh, I know that I'm adapting a little bit to move just slightly faster than I'm normally comfortable with, um, but it's not like that's sucking the life out of me either. I mean, it was very close. Um, there are other people that I think it was a little bit more alarming as to how far they were jumping, um, but I think that we see that even in the way that um, they they almost feel seem like they're drained a little bit, and then it goes, oh, it, it's a trigger to say, hey, we need to help you align better with with your strengths, and and help other people come in and fill in those gaps and our weaknesses, so that we're not just uh, trying to keep up, but we're actually thriving in, in who God has made us to be. And I think that that's the why why First Corinthians twelve is there. You know, First Corinthians twelve says we are a body made up of many parts, right? And the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand can't say to the nose, I don't need you. They all have different functions and if they're not working together, the body doesn't work. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's really insightful. And as a leader or the leader of this church, as the senior pastor, part of my role is to make sure that when it comes to staff that that we have staff in the right spaces 
living out First Corinthians chapter 12, that they're living in their strengths and, and we don't have a foot trying to be a hand, right? you know? And uh, if we get the staff right at the church um, and then those staff are trained to also view, right, the larger body of the church with the same eyes, uh, then we really start functioning in strengths the way mm-hmm. that God has gifted us, right. the way that God has right. designed us. And in those moments, man, there is so much satisfaction. There is so much fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those moments, we feel like, man, we are we are walking with God. Like mm-hmm. like it doesn't get any better than yeah. this. Yeah. And man, my whole dream is is to see all of Crossroads Church uh, working in their gifts, working in the way that God has designed us, both in our vocations mm-hmm. uh, and in our ministry, mm-hmm. in such a way that in all things we're bringing glory yeah. to Him. That's one of the things I think that frustrates me in, in Christian culture is that I people have this idea that they have to put on a facade to p- try to pretend to be something that they're not in order to be accepted. And and the reality is is that, man, that's to me what makes the journey with Jesus so fun and exciting is learning how he's wired me and how I got to operate in that wiring in a way that glorifies him and edifies the church and, and loves the world. I mean... When you're working in that sweet spot, like that's the place to be, as opposed to trying to do a bunch of stuff that you go, man, this sucks. I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't want to live there, and I don't mm-hmm. think anybody wants to live there. But we've we've created this false idea that I have to do that in order to be a quote unquote good Christian. You know, yeah. um, and so I think as we're working through that, and and then that bleeds over into everything, right? That bleeds into even the way that I connect with Jesus on a personal level, like, yes, we need to be in his word, um, but the way that I interact with that might look different than the way that you interact with that, you know? Maybe you like to read a passage and then go for a walk. Maybe uh, you like to read a passage and just sit there and meditate on it. Maybe you just like to keep a verse in your pocket and every so often you're pulling, you know, there's so many different options of how to do it. It's not just getting up in the morning, you know, at you know, sunrise, which I don't, I'm sure that there's people, I know that there's lots of people. That yeah, you're sitting that. across from one. Yeah, that's you. So um, I'm glad that we're sitting on opposite sides <laughs> of the table because that's not me. I'm not a sunrise guy. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that your time with God at that space is is more valuable than, than the way that I'm doing it, you know? Right. And so um, it's learning who you are and who God made you to be and walking in that. And, and man, I'm just, I love it. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's super cool. So when your wife read your assessment, what was her first response? She hasn't read it all yet. She's only read what I've told her. <laughs> uh, I wanted to read it. Um, but You're hiding the scary parts? Well, it was really funny because we were, when we went to California uh, on vacation in January, um, we went to Disneyland. And uh, when we landed in Orange County, or no, we didn't land in Orange County. We were in California. We went to some other airport. Um, they lost one of our car seats. And so we're sitting there hanging out. And then there's another family that shows up that's waiting for like a little sleeve to their car seat or something like that. And I just start talking to them because that's what I do. Uh, and I like meeting people and I like seeing what they're doing, where they're coming from. turned out they were going to Disneyland the next day as well. And I'm like, hey, if we see you, I'm going to invite you to go to lunch. But we never saw them again. Uh, but they were all making fun of me 
because they're like, man, you always do that. You always make friends. I always make friends with strangers. And on my assessment, one of the sentences was, uh, strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. And I'm like, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that is, that is, yeah, my wife read mine. And one of the first lines in it is, uh, he's competitive, driven, and likes to move fast. And she just laughed because that's, that's totally who I am. Totally, yes. And and I want to just assure people, because working with you now for uh, almost a year and a half, uh, uh, I see you as a leader that is not arrogant. Certainly, I see you as a leader who is super humble, loves the, loves the Lord, and wants to do His will, and someone who uh, is just aware of who God made you to be, and, and unapologetically. And I think that that's, that's a good thing, to be very aware of who God made you and to walk in that. So oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I'm just here to build you up. That's part of my, my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so all of this stuff works together. We're, we're going through this process, and I know that we just had this business meeting, uh, our first digital business meeting, which was, it was kind of fun um, to be able to do that and to see how people were chatting on, on our Crossroads live platform. And uh, I just uh, wanted to know if we could summarize or recap slightly, if anybody missed our what, what we talked about on Sunday, what were some of the things, what were that, give me the highlights from Sunday. Yeah, the big highlight was really talking about the strategic planning process that we've been on for the last couple of months, which we've highlighted a little bit here, but the large part of being a little bit of us going through the demographics report of our community that really, you know, uh, probably we should have always been, but more than ever, God has convicted me that that we're really missionaries uh, in the communities that that he's placed us in. Mm-hmm. And we have this idea that a missionary is someone who jumps across the ocean and, and serves in a country where they have to learn the language and all that kind of stuff. And yet, as we read the scriptures, really what we begin to see is that uh, missionaries are, are those who are believers carrying the gospel into the places that God calls them. And for many of us, uh, that's right in the places in which we live. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to jump an ocean to be missionaries, that we're missionaries right here. And so as we look at our culture, Culture is changing rapidly. The communities are changing rapidly. And so what does that look like? And uh, some of the, the findings in that of the communities, I don't know, was particularly surprising to me, probably not to you, but um, there were some things like in our, in our community, the fastest growing group uh, is the 35 to 54-year-olds with young families. Like that, that group is, is by and far uh, the fastest growing uh, in ours, and will be in the next 10 years. And that's in our demographic around our churches? Around our churches, yeah, yeah right here in North Glen, Thornton, mm-hmm. Westminster, uh, kind of North Metro Denver area. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that was uh, interesting. Uh, all of us who have lived here for a season uh, know how busy the roads have, have become, mm-hmm. and that's because in the last uh, 10 years, really, uh, the population has increased by 100,000 people. And the good news or bad news is that in the next 10 years, it's going to increase by another 120,000 people. And so the roads are only going to get busier, and there's only going to be more people here. Hey, but they finally finished the intersection at 128th in Washington. They, they finally what did. What a glorious day. <laughs> it, has been, it has been nice. No more sitting in the, in the traffic there. Yeah. Uh, I was coming to the church uh, yesterday. And I was coming north on Washington, wanting to turn left to come over. And you couldn't. And I couldn't. And so I had to go all the way up to 136th, all across the highway to Huron. It was like an extra 10 minutes just to get into the building. Yeah. They wanted you to take 
a breath and view the mountains. That's fair. Yeah. It was probably yeah. supposed to be like a prayer drive. Yeah, yeah. I, I ruined it. I missed <laughs> you that didn't opportunity. The time I, re- on that. I, re- I missed that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, um, yeah. So that's kind of a big thing. One of the interesting things is that actually millennials, the younger millennials, kind of the twenty-four to thirty-four age group, has actually declined in our community. It doesn't mean that we don't reach millennials or that we don't have an eye on millennials, but uh, for some reasons, mm-hmm. that community has declined. That I think they're drawn to different areas mm-hmm. and being the suburb area that we are, this is really a great place to raise your family. Yeah. And so I think lots of people come into this area because they say, man, it's time for me to settle down. I'm not going to be, you know, going downtown as much as I was before wherever I was going and I'm settling down a little bit. Which is what the demographics also showed, right? That 70% of the people in our community are married, which is actually quite high. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, as you look at it, it's incredibly diverse. That certainly... Kind of the white population is is the majority, uh, but forty percent of our community are non-white, with the majority of them being Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, asking the questions: Does our church reflect that? Mm-hmm. You know, when when you walk into our buildings, do you does our church reflect the diversity of the community, mm-hmm. both in terms of age and and race and family? And so, those are all questions that we're that we're wrestling through with as we are moving through this process. And really, right now, we're in the space of praying through what God has for us in terms of vision for the next five years. Uh, we're really close to that. Uh, and when that comes, we'll, we'll share it with the church and at business meetings and probably on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're there, and that's where we're thinking. We're looking at growth engines, um, how to reach people really is what a yeah. growth engine is. We're, we're questioning discipleship path, like how do people become disciples? What is a disciple? Mm-hmm. And so we're asking all of those questions right now, really defining that, and then ultimately part of the organization and restructuring and all this conversation that we've had from leading from your strengths ultimately Lord leads to a reorganization of the church around the vision, mm-hmm. the mission and the values right. that God's asking us to run after. Which is what we're talking about with structure and staffing right now is as we are defining our vision, um, the people that we have, we're not looking at, at changing people. We're just helping people realign with how has God made you and how can that, how can you use those gifts to best follow this vision that, that we're creating. And so I love that. I, uh, man, what's the book, Good to Great, where he's talking about the bus, right? And how you have all these people making sure you have the right people on the bus, but then are you in the right seat on the bus? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that's kind of the process that we're in now. I love, love, love. I've been, I've been saying that for a long time, that we're missionaries here mm-hmm. and that we need to act as missionaries and not assume that our culture is a culture that even knows, I mean, they know they know that the church exists, but they don't really know what we stand for. I was just talking to a friend today who was saying uh, his wife, uh, her view of the church is only what the media tells her. Mm. It's only what she sees, uh, you know, uh, these big mega churches doing. And so she has a really big misconception of, of who the church is and what our our, our mission is and what we're trying to do. Um, and so the, it's we have to meet people where they are. I always think if we go to Africa, we're not going to bring all of our Western culture and say, hey, this is how you're supposed to worship Jesus because this is the way that we do it in the West. But you, you learn the culture and you get immersed in the culture and you earn the right to have the conversation to say, hey, I want to introduce you to Jesus and he's actually going to make your life better and, and, and all... 
He's going to bring you into a turn. You know, all the things that we know that Jesus brings with him, um, I just think that we have to sh- flip our mentality a little bit um, and really get the focus off of ourselves yeah. and say, man, I already know where I'm going, but I don't know that my neighbor knows. Uh, and I want to do everything that I can to meet him where he's at yeah. in order to share truth uh, of, of how much Jesus cares about him. Yeah, well, now that you've moved, you, you live next to your brother-in-law, so that's, that's, a right. good, that's a good start. That's right. I'm really hoping that he comes to know Jesus soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think the big thing that you're, you're speaking to there is really anyone who's a follower of Jesus is a missionary. And the question that should always be before us is, is how, do we help, how do we see or how do we help our neighbors, our friends, our family see that Jesus is beautiful mm-hmm. and that the church is and meaningful? Good. Yeah, and good. Yeah. And that the church is meaningful, mm-hmm. and um, and how do we move forward in our life in that way that that ultimately helps them take a step in the direction of Jesus, where where He saves them, mm-hmm. where they see the gospel, and and they call out as Jesus is Lord. There's and a, in those days, that's that's a good day. There's a good book called Four Chair Discipling. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard about it. Dan Spader, I believe, is the author, and he's talking about these different areas of uh, really spiritual maturity. And that first chair is the non-believer. And the only goal of the, that first chair of anybody or of anybody who's spiritually mature is to help them to come and see and know that Jesus is good and that Jesus is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there, that's another common misconception is that Jesus is just this jerk that doesn't like people, that doesn't want to include people, that is, you know, uh, ready to bring down that hammer. And that's just, it's, it's a false reality. It's a false narrative that um, we, the church, God has given, God has empowered us to be that catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things we're wrestling through is, you know, in that question of discipleship, when we ask the question, what is a disciple? That oftentimes in church, we define maturity, mm-hmm. right, as knowing a lot about the Bible and knowledge about the Bible. And Bible studies are good. and Even and going deep. Like, yeah. I want to go deeper in yeah. my faith. That means I know more Bible. Yeah, and we need we need more Bible, right? We need to know more Bible. And yet, as we look at the disciples of Jesus, maturity was not marked by their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Peter would have been, like, yeah. disqualified 160 times, right? Every time he opened mm-hmm. his mouth. Uh, really, the mark of, of discipleship was my willingness to go mm-hmm. and to share what Jesus has given me with someone else and then disciple them, right? Mm-hmm. And so maturity is not just simply knowing a lot about the Bible. Maturity is taking all of that knowledge about the Bible, that relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. and then pouring into someone and bringing them along that mm-hmm. same path mm-hmm. and then doing that again and again right. and again. And that's really the mark of, of maturity in a believer's life. And, mm-hmm. and so we're, we're wrestling with that of what does it look like to lead a whole church mm-hmm. uh, in a discipleship path from those who are seeking Christ, who mm-hmm. have not yet believed, all the way to maturity, which mm-hmm. is really defined by my willingness to go and to invest in someone else and bring them along as a disciple. Yeah, that's so good because like when we look at the disciples and the early, early church people in Acts, uh, we certainly see them as mature believers. Uh, but man, they're having arguments with each other. They have disagreements about where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to be doing. And so, uh, but it's it's less about what they're doing and more about, I mean, it's about what they're doing because, but there's putting into action what I know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a piece that we miss is uh, we think, oh man, I got to be at church more and I got to be learning more and I got to be in Bible studies and all those things aren't bad things, but what's the good of of knowing how to weld if I don't ever actually weld something, 
it's just knowledge and, and it, it, it's practically useless if I don't do anything with mm-hmm. it. And so I, I love that reality that, that Jesus says, you know, you don't have to have everything perfect. You don't have to be uh, perfect even in the way that you act and your behave. We're not looking for, for people to have behavior modification where all of a sudden they're acting a certain way. We're just saying, take what Jesus has given you and use it to the best that you can. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he takes us from where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. And over the course of our lifetime, we become more and more like him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an exciting adventure. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited uh, to lead the church down this path. And uh, in some ways, uh, through this season uh, is an exciting season for me as we as we dream about that. There's a lot of other hardships mm-hmm. <laughs> that have come with this season, but if I live in the dream world outside of of kind of the realities of where we're at, mm-hmm. there's a lot to be excited yeah. about. Yeah, I always find it's better to look at the opportunities that we have before us as opposed to the things that's taken away because that certainly gets depressing awfully quick. But <laughs> yeah. man, I, I I'm really thankful for for all of the opportunities that and doors that that are being opened in light of, of our circumstances. And so I, I, I just see that as, as God can take anything that was intended for evil, right, and use it for good. Yeah. And I just see lots of good coming out of what's going on right now. So, That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Well, thanks, Matt. This is good. It's good to chat with you. Yeah, I was thinking we should actually rename this podcast to The Meanderings of Two Pastors Who Don't Know Much. There you go. I love it. Because we went from NFL draft to, to talking about strengths to body to business meeting. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Did you call it the meanderings? Yeah, the meanderings of two pastors yeah. who don't know much. Love it. Yeah, you got it. That'll be the title. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's good. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, again, uh, please check us out on all of our platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we also have our Crossroads Live platform that you uh, can attend all of our services, our youth nights, our prayer times. Uh, they're all there. Uh, go to crossroadsabc.com and that will uh, get you to where you want to go.